All right. What up, dude? What's going on, everybody? This is this Madrid podcast number 120. We have a sick guest for this episode, man. Uh, Chris, the nightmare, Ariola, professional heavyweight boxer, fucking veterano at this point. How you doing, man? What's going on? <laughs> like you said, I'm a veterano now, bro. I'm a 40-year-old man and shit now. Time flies <laughs> when you're having fun. And uh, luckily, I, I, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun doing what I do. And I'm blessed, man, that I can still do what I do in a high-caliber uh, high um, yeah. fighting situation. So, hey, I'm lucky yeah. and I'm, I'm working hard to make this happen. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't seen you in a while and I've been watching, you know, some videos of your training and your camp and some stuff recently on your Instagram and stuff. And you look good, man. You look lean. You look like, you know, you look fit. How are you feeling? I feel fit. I feel great, man. And yeah. you know what's crazy? Um, I've worked just as hard as I did before, but it's more with a different kind of mentality. It's yeah. more like I'm here for a reason. There's a reason for me to work. I'm not just working just I guess I gotta do this shit. Gotta yeah. do it again. And I got yeah. a new trainer, which changes things. You know, yeah. I, I didn't notice how much of a difference a good uh, trainer that pays attention to you and you only makes. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, my old trainer, Henry Ramirez, great trainer, great. Yeah. But personally, I need one-on-one time. Mm. My old trainer has like four fighters at the training at the same time, and he spends like five minutes with me. Then he goes with someone else, and someone else, and someone else. And while he's with someone else, I'm fucking half-assing my workout. And now <laughs> that I'm with Joe Gooson, yeah, every yeah. fucking round I gotta work, I gotta work, I gotta work, I gotta work. Yeah, yeah. And he turns his head, I'll stop for a little bit, but then I gotta work again. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 good to hear, man. Yeah, like I said, you're looking good. Um, well, I, I, as you know, we've we've known each other for I was thinking about this, dude. It, it was seven years ago that, you know, we met and that uh, you fought Bermain Stavern and that, um, you know, for those of you on this Madre uh, who've been with us since the beginning, you know that we we worked a little bit with Chris back then. We did some small documentaries on him. And in the background, we were shooting and hoping to do a feature length documentary. Um, obviously, that was leading up to. Um, uh, you know, a championship, a world world championship belt opportunity uh, for Chris ended up not going the way, you know, he wanted it to and definitely not the way we wanted it to. So it was a crazy time, but we spent a few months following Chris uh, during his training camp for that fight in 2014. And that was down in San Diego, right? I remember we were at the house in San Diego. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're training down in San Diego at the house of boxing. You know what's crazy is that I was winning that fight. I felt great for that fight. I felt like I was in great shape. Yeah. But then that stupid right hand caught me, and yeah, that's all she wrote, man. Yeah. The the, the yeah. best way I could describe it is like disconnect the computer, and then connect it again. Uh -huh. That's my brain. It got disconnected, and then try to connect it, and it was rebooting. It was all haywire. It was like it was weird. It was definitely yeah. a crazy experience. Yeah, no, I, well, you know, what's, what's crazy about that experience. I remember, um, you know, we obviously weren't uh, filming the fight itself, but we were in the stands and watching and um, you, you know, uh, Sammy's not on the podcast right now, but you, you remember Sammy and 
I mean, the look on Sammy's yeah. face, this look on Sammy's face when that happened, like it was like his father just got murdered, bro. Like Sammy was so like, he, he, he was shocked. You know, he was shocked and he was so sad. And I had to like, do like, dude, like Sammy, this is boxing, bro. This is why it's a beautiful sport, you know? And not that, not that it was beautiful that you got, that you know that you lost and that you got knocked out or whatever but yeah yeah i get it you know it can go any way and and any second it's a split second that the fight can change and you know it could have gone that way in the other direction for you um but unfortunately it didn't that day but i remember the look on sammy's face it was like man he was gonna cry you know and it was wild it was a wild time um but yeah, we haven't we haven't been in touch a whole lot since then. So I, I I apologize for that. But I know you've kind of, you know, fought some more. You've fought like seven more fights since then. Yeah, that that it has been seven fights since then. And then my last fight, I set mm-hmm. a record amount of punches thrown by heavyweight. That's how crazy boxing is. That even at an older age, a more mature age, I'm still out there outworking a lot of these fucking fighters out there. Hey, I love what I do, and I'm a blessed man that I keep that I could keep continue doing this at an elite level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for those of you that don't know, um, like Chris said, he's 40, man, and he's had. A, I looked this up on Wikipedia, so I, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. But you you fought 47 times. You had 38 wins, 33 by knockout, uh, six losses, obviously. Um, and a couple of other whatever draws, no contests and whatnot, but 47 fights, dude. That's just yeah, fucking was, crazy. Yeah. I love what I do, man. I'm a, I'm a lucky person. I'm, I'm, I'm humbly fortunate. I don't yeah. want to say blessed. I'm fortunate. I'm a very fortunate person to have been fighting to the elite level for so long. I love what I do. I'm lucky, man. I'm very, very, very lucky, very fortunate. And then again, also, there's a lot of fighters out there that they lose and they just lose the love for the sport. I love what I do. I love boxing. And I still feel that I'm an elite fighter. And uh, shit, got to keep doing it, right? (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, as long as you feel like your body's, you know, still at it and like you still got the heart for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are there are probably are people who are telling you to stop, though, right? I mean, what does your family think about it? What does your wife and, and stuff think about it, um, about you still fighting at this age and, you know, so many fights and whatnot? In all honesty, like, people just, they say, wait, you're still fighting? I'm like, yeah, I'm still fighting. I'm like, yeah. why? Uh, I love what I do. You know, I'm, I still have, I'm still have all my marbles. I'm still uh, coherent. So it's not like I'm getting beat up by all these fights. That's a, that's another thing about the heavyweight division, you know. In the lower division, you take more of a beating because a punch ain't going to knock you out. And in the mm. heavier division, mm. one punch takes your ass out. Yeah. We don't get that much, like, boom, 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 rattle on our brain. You know, my yeah. respects go out to all those young young guys or lighter weights that take those beatings that are in those wars. You know, I'm lucky. I don't have, I, I, I'm not in those wars because if you yeah. not, if you touch someone in the right place, they're going to sleep. We don't take that kind of uh, brain damage, I believe. Interesting. Or Interesting. I'm just a weird guy. 
<laughs> you just like to get fucking hit, dude. You're fucking out of your mind. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so 47 professional fights, but you started obviously fighting when you were a kid. Like, how old were you the very first time you had, like, a real, a real match? Tell us about that. Like, how did you get into the sport? I know your dad probably, it's the story of your father bringing you into it, but tell us about your first fight, how old you were. What was that experience like? Well, I've been in the boxing gym my whole life because my dad was a boxer. I can remember my mom holding me in her arms and me trying to hit the speed bag. I can remember watching my dad fight. I can remember going to different boxing gyms. And then fast forward to I was about seven years old, my dad started helping his first coach in a boxing gym. And I told him, dude, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. He finally took me. And then a year later, like in April or May of 1989, was my first fight in uh, Westminster, which is in Orange County. And I weighed 72 pounds, and I fought a kid that weighed 76 pounds. And my dad told me, if you win this fight, you can keep boxing. And I'll buy you these gloves. Shit, I wanted those little fucking gloves so bad. I don't even know why. They're just little, <laughs> dumb, $10 gloves. And I beat the shit out of this kid. Pitter to post. I made him cry. And I was like, dude, why is he crying? What a pussy. And I kept beating him up. And uh, they stopped the fight. I won by knockout. Then I just fell in love with it. So from 1989... To 2001 was my last amateur fight. I won the mm. National Golden Gloves at 178. I was 6'4". I was tall and fucking skinny as shit. Mm. That was my last amateur fight. And that was 150 amateur fights with about damn. 20 losses, 25 losses. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. You know, the crazy thing, the crazy thing about that is that and all my amateur career, there was a lot of fighters that were a lot better than me. A lot better. Like, leaps and bounds better than me. But where are they now? I, I, I couldn't name where they are yeah. at. Yeah. They just fell to the wayside. They just stopped boxing. And I yeah. just kept on it. I just kept fighting, kept, kept training, kept training. Kept, yeah, I just kept at it, kept doing what I do. And if you think about it, I'm like, dude. Some of those fighters could have been better than me. They all yeah. could have, should have, would have, but they didn't because they just gave up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, from what I understand, I remember us talking in the past, you know, you have gone through periods where you've kind of thought you maybe didn't want to do it anymore. I don't understand, like, when you were, like, in high school, before you went to the Golden Gloves or stuff, you kind of stopped boxing, right? Like, yeah. and that was kind of for somewhat personal reasons yeah. or whatever. When I was uh, – 16, 17 years old, I just got tired. I lived with my pops, and my dad was just dick. He was just abusive. He used to beat the shit out of me. You know what I mean? And I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. I don't want to box no more. Moved to Riverside, started playing basketball, started playing football. And then uh, one day, I was playing basketball at RCC at the community college, and there's Dude, because I had to play power forward. I'm not, I don't, I, I have no handles. I have no <laughs> shot. I was just a gritty dude that loved playing defense and grabbing rebounds. Yeah. This guy just drop stepped and dunked on me. Bah! And he put his dick all in my face. 
<laughs> so mad. I should be. Like, he yeah. did exactly what he was supposed to do. Yeah. Right? To yeah, a guy yeah. like yeah. me. Yeah. I was pissed because I couldn't do shit about it. And I walked mm-hmm. out of that gym. I was like, yeah, I got to get back into boxing, man. This, this is what I have to do. Because <laughs> I, I couldn't hack it in the basketball court. Yeah. 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 You, you talk about your dad kind of being like a real obviously influence in terms of getting you into boxing, but on the flip side being, um, you know, abusive and, you know, perhaps not being, um, you know, a a real father figure in the sense of being supportive and being more of a a fucking hard ass, you know? And I think that's something a lot uh, of us who are like children of immigrants, you know, my dad is from Mexico too. I'm first generation. And, you know, the shit that our dads had to go through like my dad was basically abandoned when he was like you know a a toddler so my dad didn't really have a father growing up and so when he came over here and like you know he's coming at reality from a different position and uh, in a way that Mm -hmm. you know he thinks he's had he thinks he had my dad's point of view was like preparing me for the worst of life right and that means putting Mm -hmm. you through the worst of life in some ways because then if you've, if, if you've experienced it from somebody that loves you, perhaps like a father, then it won't be so bad when you get that experience from the real world, you know, that's as an adult, that's kind of how I see it now. Uh, but wh- where is your dad from? Like, where did he yeah. grow up and what was his childhood like? Do you, you know, what do you know about that? Well, one thing, one thing that I, that I definitely know, well, my dad's from, my dad, my dad's from uh, Durango, Mexico born and raised there and um when he was born my dad was my grandpa was in prison mm. he was in prison for like the first 10 or 12 years of his life wow my grandpa okay. killed someone and, and my, my grandpa killed someone in uh, in mexico so yeah. my dad basically would sell seeds sign shoes um sell ice cream you know paletas and shit in mexico like whatever they whatever he could do to make a yeah. living to bring home to my grandma that's what he would do yeah and once yeah he started yeah. boxing in mexico then he came back to united he came to united states in 1978 and um he boxed out here and he met my mom got her pregnant on accident and uh had to have me and <laughs> there we are yeah. Yeah. It's it, his childhood sounds similar to my dad then in that, like you said, like you're living day to day doing whatever work you can do to feed yourself and to support, you know, your parent when you're a fucking child. Right. And so exactly. I think, I think when you have your own children, um, you, all you know is your life and you try to impart some sort of lessons and for better or worse, like a lot of our fathers were like that. They were, you know, my dad wasn't like physically abusive, but he was not like, you know, a, a, a textbook. Dad, a lovey-dovey like a, type shit. Yeah, not a lovey-dovey dad, you know. Um, but I think it's good that, you know, we have mothers <laughs> in some sense. Uh, because, you know, I always say that we have a balance or I've ha- I had a, the, a nice balance of, you know, a real kind of hard ass for a dad and a mom who, um, you know, who was very supportive and loving in ways that my dad wasn't and stuff. Um, but you you said your folk, your, your parents met in LA, like, where did your dad settle in LA? 
like where did you guys live growing up and stuff where did your parents meet and, and, and whatnot so well my, one one thing about my dad dude that motherfucker could dance he could dance like a motherfucker so he would go to the clubs all the time in the mexican spanish clubs or whatever yeah my mom <clears throat> even my mom told me to this day he goes your dad as soon as i danced with him i was not gonna let go of this motherfucker so, you know, my dad must have spun the shit out of her, and <laughs> they fell in love. He found she fell in love with him, and my yeah. dad just got her pregnant. Yeah, yeah. And this is where exactly you said it was. It was it in oh, East LA? Um, yeah, no, no. Well, my, my, my my dad, he uh, lived in like downtown LA, like off okay. of Broadway. And my mom, she lived in, I want to say, like, Inglewood area. But once I was born, they settled down in uh, Huntington Park, California, which okay. is predominantly all Hispanics, yeah. all Mexicans there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's where I grew up. I grew up in uh, Huntington Park and then moved to East L.A. when I was 10 years old with my dad. Mm -hmm. um, my parents separated when I was 12 years old. And um, in all honesty, I think about it, since I was a kid, I spent 80% of the time with my dad. I was always with my dad at the gym or I'd go with him to work or, you know, the weekends we had to go to tournaments. We had to go to tournaments. We had to go to fights. So I was always with my dad. Always, always, always. Probably got an yeah. a, he probably I probably annoyed the shit out of him. That's why he was such a hard ass on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was it like growing up in HP, man? I you know I've heard a lot about it. Um, it's a tough place. No, what was it like when you were a kid was, there and then moving into LA? Yeah. You know what's crazy? Like I watched this show called Snowfall, right? And I'm watching on my daughter. I'm like, oh man, I remember that. I remember all the crack epidemic. I remember how crazy it got once crack. Yeah. The, the streets and shit. I remember all the gang violence. I remember all the the fucking shooting, the the stealing, and the and all that stuff. Even though I wasn't in it, but it was all surrounding me. But my dad just kept me in boxing, just boom, one way, one way, one way. Yeah. One time I came home and I'm like, "Hey, dad. Hey, hey, hey. Guess what? What? I'm from Florence now, Florencia." Florencia Tresa was a big old gang in L.A. And my dad's like, what you say? So I'm from Florencia. And my dad beat the shit out of me. He whooped my ass. Then he goes, all right, get your shit because we're going to the gym. I'm like, all right. That's the way he settled everything. All the time. Yeah. One time yeah. I, I got a report card. And I don't know why. The grades weren't even bad. And that's when they gave you like, satisfactory or excellent or mm -hmm. my dumbass erased or tried to erase the carbon copy and I put four A's A A A and I gave it to my dad and went outside and played. Then I then my dad was you know that Mexican whistle and shit. <laughs> he calls me and he goes, straight A, huh? In Spanish, I'm like, yep. Yeah, I'm fucking bad. Turn around, I got some pastry. I was like, fuck yeah, hell yeah. About time my dad's going to give you something good. <laughs> he whooped my ass. 
He's like, what you think I was going to find out you did this shit? Oh, jeez, man. That's fucking wild. That's fucking wild. Uh, at least you can kind of laugh about it. Are you, are you still in touch with your dad? Do you have, do you, what's the relationship like now? You know what, man? Like, yeah. now that I'm older, yeah, you know, it was a lot of tough love. Too tough. Too tough of love to give a fucking kid. I'm, I I look back on it and I'm like, dude, I'm lucky. I'm lucky I had a dad that gave a fuck. I'm lucky that I had a dad that didn't let me quit. I'm lucky that I had him as a father. Because if I would have had like a passive aggressive, just like a passive dad, I wouldn't be who I am today. Mm-hmm. I am who I am today because of my dad. I'm in my kid's life, my son and my daughter's life because of my dad. I drive all the way to Riverside after the gym sometimes because my dad has, my son has a game because I don't want to miss it. I want him to know that I'm there for him. Even yeah. though I, I'm not going to whoop his ass and stuff like that, but, you know, I want him to know that I'm there for him. Whatever he needs, whatever my daughter needs, I'm there for her. Whatever she fucking needs. Yeah. That's one thing that I got on my dad, you know. He was yeah. always there. Good times, bad times, whatever the fuck you want to call it, he was there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, speaking of, I mean, I know when, when we were hanging out, you know, when, when when that was in 2014, you had a daughter. She was a teenager. Now, like, she's like a college student and, and you have a son. How old is your son now? Your son was born a few years ago. It's like five, like, is he six now? Five or six? Yeah, or? He's, a six he's a six-year-old white boy. <laughs> Love that kid. He's awesome. He's, he's cool. He's cool. Yeah. But, you know, like, I'm a Dodger fan because of my daughter. Because when, I've always been a Dodger fan, but not the way I am once my daughter started playing softball. Because okay. I started taking yeah. her to games. Yeah. I started yeah. taking her to, so she could see what it really is like to be a professional. Yeah. Even though she wasn't yeah. going to be a professional baseball player with her, but it gives them hope. Because I remember my dad taking me to fights all the time. But like, damn, that's fucking badass. I want to be like yeah. that. Yeah. So just to give them some kind of a hope, give them some kind of one day I could do something like that. Yeah. 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 So your son is playing baseball. That's awesome. He's six and playing baseball already. <laughs> yeah. He's on his, he started playing at the age of three. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. But last year, it really, it really sucked because COVID really, yeah. my daughter, like, Started her softball season, her senior year, COVID hits, no more softball. Wow. And then, like, all her drive and everything just went. Pfft. And yeah. now she's in college, you know, try yeah. for softball? Yeah, no, nah, I don't think so. Eh. I'm like, hmm. you bring good grades and you're good. That's all I care about. Yeah. Then yeah. my son, yeah. now he's back in baseball, so I'm happy about that. Nice, nice, nice. That's that's wild. I'm I was re- I'm re- I've been really I, I always smile when I see your pics of you and your son because I can tell you're happy with you know and and it's I mean what is it how has it been different having a son than a daughter is that you know a, a new experience or <laughs> you, you know what the, the difference is my age you know like mm-hmm. I I feel like I cheated my daughter a little bit 
because I had her so young, mm. and I didn't, I didn't value the time that I should yeah. have. If it makes yeah. any sense, you know, because it makes I was sense. too young. Yeah. I was yeah. I was too young, and I was still being a fucking a cock sucker and just doing all kinds of crazy shit. You know, all I cared about was me. Not that I didn't care about my daughter, but yeah, I can't. I was more important than she was in my eyes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, my life was different and now that i have a son and i'm older and i'm more mature i understand the value of time i understand what it's like to not want to miss any of his activities because time goes like that next you know they graduate from high school you're like oh fuck i didn't go to that thing i didn't go to this thing oh what a dick you know what i mean yeah yeah so she was born in what 2003 or 2004 Something like that, like 2000... 2002. Oh, 2002. yeah, okay. Yeah, so that was before yeah. you went and pro, like right at the old. time when you, right at the time when you were going pro, right? Yep. I turned pro because of her. She changed my life. She definitely just changed my life. You know, yeah. she dev- I'm a boxer because of her. I had, I had to find something to do. I had to give her a good life. That's yeah. why I'm a boxer. You know, I may have not been the best father at that time, but sorry. Yeah, you were providing through through this sport. I mean, this is your your yeah, this is your profession. I mean, looking back at that yeah. time, I kind of looked at that stuff and your record and stuff. And so from two thousand three to two thousand nine, you went twenty seven and zero. You were you had a twenty seven fight undefeated streak from what I can see here. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And nine straight up knockouts, 16 TKOs. That's fucking crazy, dude. Like, how do you, how do you remember that time span now looking back in retrospect, like when you were rising and just, you were just mowing people down. What, what, what do you remember about those years, 2003 to 2009? Which is crazy. The crazy thing that it was just all a blur. It feels like, even now, it feels like it was just a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago. Everything was just a blur. Everything was just so uh, happening so fast, and at the same time, I didn't, I didn't uh, value the time. I didn't cherish it. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Mm. I was just going off the skills alone, off of yeah. everything that I that I knew already. You know, I worked hard enough. Yeah. Not hard how I should have worked. Yeah. Do I regret it? Fuck no, I don't regret it. That's me. That's the way it was. There's not much shit that I regret in my life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, I mean, there. you know, for a lot of sports and certainly uh, boxing, you know, there's kind of three different, I think of it anyway, as three different things. There's your technical side, your technical skill set. So, you know, what do you know about boxing? How do you throw punches? How do you evade your opponent? How do you move in the ring, et cetera? Strategy for the overall fight, depending on that fighter. Then there's the conditioning, which is just, you know, what you said you probably slacked off on here and there. And then the third is just the mental mental game, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. it, so- it sounds like, you know, you, the skill set is, is in your DNA. Your father was a fighter and you were born 
in the ring, basically. You were born uh, in that environment, you know, so it's in your DNA, the skill set is there. Um, and it's given you all this opportunity. Um, in 2009, that led to your biggest opportunity at the time, right, which was fighting for the WBC belt against Klitschko. Um, what, what do you remember about that match in particular and, and kind of like, you know, there's, I, I recall us speaking about this before in the past and you saying, you know, you kind of like blew it or you like maybe didn't prepare enough, but what do you remember about it now? How do you look back at that fight in particular? Um, I remember I got a phone call, like, I got a phone call from a manager goes, hey, uh, you want to fight for the world heavyweight title? I'm like, what? <laughs> All right, sure. Okay, do it. When? Six weeks. Six weeks? I was about 285, 290 pounds, man. Uh, I was honestly just a slob. I was just enjoying life and just partying, hanging out drinking, eating whatever the fuck I want and train whenever the hell I wanted. But then he says, yeah, six weeks. I was like, mm, all right, fuck it, let's go. Because you never turn down title opportunities. Period. Because yeah. you never know when it's going to come back yeah. again. Yeah. So we hit training camp. I hit the scale, 285. Fuck. That whole training camp, that five and a half week training camp was basically fat camp. Just basically trying to get my weight down to a reasonable amount of, of, of weight. Mm. Um, I went in, I see this man, and like, this guy's a man. Like, no homo, no nothing, but this dude was like 6'7, 6'8, built like a fucking brick house, man. Just a man, a mountain of a man. And getting inside the ring with him, his. Not that he was the most skillful fighter that I've ever fought, but he's yeah. the most smart fighter that I've ever fought. Like, mm. inside mm -hmm. the ring, his ring knowledge and how he moved and was just so perfect, so mm. um, effortless, which is better better mm. said, effortless. Like, he didn't yeah. waste no energy when he was fighting. And when he hit me with the fucking right hand a couple times, I don't know how my head was still attached. Because I felt like he was trying to punch <laughs> someone behind me. Like, Jeez, literally, God. like, his punch was just so, like, a thud. But, like, such a strong man, which mm. was crazy. Yeah. But uh, I never lost hope on, on one punch knocking him out. But my coach stopped it, and that, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And you – so that was 2009. So, so you were, like, 28, 29. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, 28, pretty, 28 years old. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's why. Did you think you'd get another opportunity at that point or what was your outlook at the time? You know, at that point you were, you know, 20, almost 30 fights into your career, the 28 fights into your career. And, you know, it, it, my guess is you were like, fuck it, like fight again. Right. Or what, what, what did you think was going to happen after that? Yeah, that, that, that's exactly, that's exactly what I thought. I'm like, you know what? I guess I got to rebuild again, brick by brick. Not, yeah. Like, when you get a title shot and you fight for a title, there's no... Uh, there's nothing wrong with losing to the better man. And that day, he was just the better man, just yeah. all around better than me, period. So yeah. I just I just had to just rebuild. Yeah. Then once again, I had to climb the mountain again. 
climb it again. Which is crazy about it. What's crazy about boxing is that one loss could turn could turn you like from the best motherfucker to ah, oh, this guy lost. Fuck this guy. Mm-hmm. You get rid of so easy in boxing. So yeah. easy with just one loss. Yeah, yeah. The guy Lomachenko, man, great fighter. One of the best technical fighters that fucking ever lived. Lived, I believe. He just recently lost to Tiofo. Teofimo Lopez, and now they think Lomachenko's like fucking yesterday's news, like fucking garbage. He crazy? He mm. just lost. He just had an off night. It's crazy how boxing just writes someone off off of one loss. Hmm. 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 Is that does that have to do with the way in which you lose? Because I will say this, and I think everyone would agree with me who follows boxing, like win or lose, you're always a good fucking fight. And people love to watch your fights and you always have, you always accept defeat gracefully. You kind of, and I'm not kissing your ass here because I've just seen enough of your post-fight interviews where you just say, yeah, this motherfucker beat the shit out of me. He's, he's a fucking badass or whatever. You always give the opponent their due. And it's, you know, I've seen some fighters come down in a fight. And they're just like bitch boys, you know, they walk off the ring, you know, they don't, <laughs> nobody wants to see that. I mean, that seems like that's a big part of it, no? Yeah, you know what? It's just, I always say I stand when I pee. I'm a man. I stand when I pee. If I win, I take the fucking win. If I lose, hey, you just got to be gracious. You just got to fucking admit that you lost and how you lost. You know, it really pisses me off when somebody just tries to put blame on other people. Mm. Do you understand? Yeah. Um. The reason I knew that I couldn't be a football player, or a basketball player, is because I can't rely on my team. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I yeah. work hard, but this motherfucker is slacking off. So what the <laughs> fuck? You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, in this yeah, sport, yeah, I work hard, and I'm gonna take the victory, or I'm gonna take the defeat. Yeah. You can't blame your fucking corner. You can't blame someone saying they put something on your water or they're cheating or whatever. No, man. Take your loss. Be gracious. And just walk. Till next time. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, you you know, the fight for Severn obviously was – and and all, all of the – you've had another opportunity in addition to Severn with Adam Egg, um, but, but the opportunities have been there for you to, to be the first Mexican heavyweight, you know, champion, and that's always been something that's been looming uh, for boxing history, right, for a long time, and you had that on your shoulders for a while. Um, obviously, that didn't happen for you. It happened for Andy, for Andy Ruiz. Um, how did you feel when that happened for Andy? And like, what did you, you know, how, how were you was, taking that in as it happened? Yeah. You know what, man? I was very happy for him. I was extremely happy for him, man. He deserved it. He does. Yeah. He worked hard. He's been in the boxing game for such a long time, man. And yeah. dude, I'm not a hater, man. You got to fuck respect the man. At one point he wanted to be like me. Because I sparred him when he was, like, 17 years old, 18 mm. years old. Mm-hmm. He goes, man, I want to be like you one day, blah, 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 this and that. I'm like, dude, you will. Because I knew he had the speed. I knew he had the strength. He had the balls. He has everything you need to be a 
not only a great heavyweight fighter, just to be a great fighter, period. And when he won it, man, I won a couple hundred bucks because people were fucking, this fat kid, that fat guy's going to beat him? Yeah, fucking right. I'll bet you $100. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude, I was I was extremely happy for him. Extremely, like honestly, like yeah, like very happy for him. Yeah. And the crazy yeah. thing is that like, there's some people that like I know and shit like that that would that as soon as he won, they like posted like yeah, bitch ass Chris couldn't do it, so someone else had to do it. I'm like damn, bro, yeah. <laughs> I'm fucked up, all right, whatever. Jeez. But yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you, you see that. And, you know, like when we were working with you back then, you know, we were posting stuff on social and, and there's always the, these these fucking haters, you know, who put who say shit like that. And um, it sucks because the fact of the matter is like you've been doing this for so fucking long and you've been at the top of the rankings for so long that that in itself should command like just like ultimate respect right and like you don't stay at this for as long as you have without being like the best at what you are you know and like that in and of itself is is just just bananas you know i think like maybe there's some people who are disappointed but that's not like when people yeah (laughs) when people are disappointed you know what i I totally agree with that. You you could be disappointed, but damn, bro, I really got to get all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say, I don't even feel like, I don't even feel disappointment. I mean, I think I can feel sad. I can feel bummed. I can be like, damn, I wish, I wish Chris had gotten this, you know, and I wish, like, I wish, like, it would have been for you there. Uh but I'm not, I can't be disappointed because like, I can only be disappointed for myself in terms of what I can and can't control in my, in my own life. You know, now, if you want to be disappointed for yourself, that's another thing, right? Which I'm sure, you know, I don't know what sort of demons you're dealing with, with regards to this stuff, you know, but um, yeah, disappointment is a weird feeling because I think it's a personal thing. Like I can't be disappointed for you. That's, it's outside of my, you know, control, you know, and I'm just sad. And I would have wished that you had done it or whatever. At the same time, I knew when I, when Andy won it, you know, um, I thought like, I know Chris is happy about this. Like it's better for the sport. Uh, I know we had talked about Andy in the past and you had said he was, you know, he was a fucking talented individual. Um, Did you ever fight? There's three really that come to mind, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, I guess, Eric Molina, and Andy, right? Or what What other heavyweight kind of elite level Mexican-American boxers have there been? Um, yeah. Fuck it, uh, Molina. I can't stand that motherfucker. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, if I was to see him, I would slap the shit out of him. He's a disrespectful <laughs> motherfucker. Like, really? Huh. Like, huh. I, I don't say shit about no boxers because, you know what? We share the ring and I respect everyone that I share the ring with. But yeah. that guy, he honestly, like, this ain't even talk. Like, I promise, if I was to see him, I'll slap the shit out of him for being so disrespectful. I fought uh, Wilder. I went after the Wilder fight. I was walking out the ring, and I was holding my baby, my son. Yeah. I was walking, 
And I didn't notice him, but he, but he goes, he's like, start talking shit. Yeah, you fucking bitch, you fucking quitting ass, fucking pussy motherfucker. And I look around, and it was fucking Molina. Oh my god, I couldn't. I was finding, I was, I handed my son off to like a lady that was right next to me, just so I could go beat his ass. I was like, Jesus. oh, here you go. And I ran over there to get him, and then someone stopped me, and there was a K. I'm like, dude. To this day, I don't like that motherfucker. Fuck that wow. guy. He don't even speak Spanish, which is worse. <laughs> Wait, did you fight him? I thought you fought him. Yeah, and I'm not in the first round. <laughs> oh, shit, man. Shit. Well, that's fucking wild, man. I mean, is, it, is, is there anybody else that I was missing in terms of, like, heavyweight Mexican-Americans? I think those are the three that I've kind of know of well, like I said, also in the past it was like the animal lopez and and pugacito okay. hernandez like somewhere in the 70s mm-hmm. but like the the real ones is like me and andy yeah molina i guess he's just fucking fuck that guy but yeah <laughs> uh, you mentioned earlier that you switched um you switched trainers you know we met henry um a number of years ago and he was your trainer for uh the remains to burn and, and many other fights obviously um and now you're with with goose and i remember that i mean it was goose it was joe's brother who was your promoter first right yeah uh dan dan goose dan yeah dan goose was my original promoter and he passed away from uh, cancer just got him he, he got cancer and then two weeks later he's gone wow it's crazy it was it was it was such a shocking thing to happen but um yeah i've, I've known joe all all through my my professional career i've known him for a long time yeah and like the reason i changed trainers is because um how can i explain it uh whatever um I use this analogy all the time. Somebody said it was disrespectful, but I don't give a fuck. It's like being married to the same woman for fucking 10, 20 years, whatever the hell you want to call it. And every day, you know what you're going to do. You're going to kiss her in the forehead. You're going to kiss her in the cheek. You, when you guys have sex, you're already going to know it's going to be missionary, then doggy style, and one leg <laughs> over here, and then, okay, we're done. You, know, you, already, you already know the routine that's going to happen every day. Yeah, and yeah. That's the way it was with Henry. All right, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. We're gonna do this. All right, fuck, whatever. Yeah. And and it just got too. Yeah, you need to change things up. Yeah, no, I, I think needed that's something a... different. Got it. And where where are you doing? Well, let me take a step back. How did the? So we haven't straight up said it, but obviously you're fighting Andy in two weeks, uh, May first, which is fucking one of the first fights I've been looking forward to for a very long time. So I'm super excited about that, and I'm super happy for you to have this opportunity. I think it's going to be fucking amazing. Uh, but tell us about how the fight came about. When did, you know, I think there was talk about it last summer and stuff. Did it just kind of get pushed off because of COVID, or what's the what's the backstory on the just the setting the fight? So what happened was after the Adam uh, Kaunaki fight, which I believe that I won, you know, I, I kicked ass that fight. I thought it was a great fight. I did everything that I was supposed to do. Um, I had a feeling that I was going to fight um, um, Andy, especially after his loss with um, um, AJ. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, since, since summer of 20, 2020 has been in the talks. And, obviously, COVID hit, and it was just hard to make a fight happen. Yeah. So, 
I actually been in LA since November, December. Mm. I've been out here training since then. So I've been out here five months, six months working, working, working every day for this fight. And then finally, uh, um, my manager, Al Heyman, finally says, you know what? Fight's on. At first, it was going to be uh, March, the end of March. Then it got pushed back to the end of April and now to May 1st. So I'm glad mm-hmm. it's on May 1st because, you know, closer to Cinco de Mayo and uh, make it a party. Yeah, yeah. Damn, that's crazy. So you've been, are you, you, so you're kind of staying in LA and doing training camp in LA and just headed home yeah, been, when you want to see the family or, yeah. Um, I stay, I stay in um, downtown LA and uh, I train in the valley. It's kind of like in the middle between, between uh, Riverside and, and uh, the valley. But in all honesty, I go to the home, go home maybe three days a week to go see my son, go take him to practice, see my daughter, do whatever the hell I got to do out there. Because, shit, like I said, the kids got to know that I'm still their dad and I'm part of their life. Yeah. You know, even though I got my thing out here and I'm grinding, they, they got to know that I still love them and I'm doing this for them. But, yeah, I constantly go home. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, nice. How, 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 have you been kind of – obviously, this is a, a really interesting – uh, fight just from a story standpoint you know Andy's coming off of this you know meteoric rise where he beat AJ kind of out of the blue surprised a bunch of people right most people um at for his first win took the belt became the first you know Mexican uh first champion of Mexican descent heavyweight um and then you know by all accounts looking from the outside you know kind of let himself go in between that and the second match and, you know, got his ass beat in the second one. And, and then that's a whole crazy thing, too, there that's happened to him there, right, where he switched. He also jumped off of, it, of Manny, his trainer, and jumped camp. And he's kind of on this, like, you know, uh, rebuilding phase and whatnot. And you're obviously, you know, like we said at the beginning, a veteran here. This is just a fucking crazy story, man. Like, how are you feeling about the significance of this event? I mean, you also just don't see too many – fights against Mexican heavyweights so that's just dope as hell but the story and the I would say the the stakes for both of you are very high here yeah um the stakes for him basically um my plan is to make him into a Buster Douglas you guys do you remember Buster Douglas Douglas yeah he's the best man in boxing and then after that what happened to him no one remembers you know, he lost to Holyfield, then yeah. that's what I want to do to Andy. My yeah. respect squats him. He did become the first heavyweight champion. And the reason he did that, he just, like, let's just say he fought yesterday. Right? He fought yesterday. And then two days later, he gets a call. Hey, you want to fight Andy? I mean, you want to fight AJ? Fuck yeah. So he was already in great shape. So he was already peaking. Mm. Five weeks later, he's fighting AJ. And mm. AJ, in my eyes, he underestimated him. He didn't believe mm. that a little fat guy from Mexico was going to beat him. And mm. sure enough, he beat him. Now let's go back to part two. How can you blame someone like uh, um, uh, Andy for him to enjoying money? 
success, something he never had before. It's hard to say that you would be a different person. And if you say you'd be different, either you're lying or you're a bad motherfucker. Because (laughs) from fighting 20,000, then making 4 4 million, and then 10 million, yo, I'll be going crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this, so but he, this fight yeah. also, but this fight also is his comeback fight, and it's my fight to win or lose. And if I lose, you know, I don't mind quitting. I don't mind retiring. This I'm a 40 year old man. You know, I yeah. shouldn't be beating Andy, but I am going to beat Andy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm super excited about it. I mean, how 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 do you do you like kind of pay attention to the media or do you kind of keep up with what he's up to down there? Cause he's training in Mexico, right? He's training with kind of Canelo's team or Canelo's trainer or something. Yeah. What's the guy's name? They're in San Diego. They're in San Diego. Oh, they're in... Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. They're training in San Diego. That's where, uh, that's where the Canelo has his uh, camp now. Got Constantly, uh, he's been having his camp out here for the past three, four years, but yeah, I he's see. with uh, Reynoso. Right. He's been training with Reynoso. Right. He looks good. He looks good. He looks great. You know, yeah. my mentality is you can't be ready for a boxing fight unless you're training for a boxing fight. Hmm. This ain't fat camp. This ain't me trying to fucking get muscle, get a six pack, or get pecs. If anyone knows better than me, it should be Andy that he just knocked out one of the best-looking heavyweights in history. <laughs> Muscles yeah. don't matter. Muscles don't matter in boxing. What matters is your boxing skills. And he has a lot of skills, and I hope he didn't neglect those skills because I should fuck that in. Yeah, yeah. And and you're, like I said, you look pretty good, man. How are you feeling physically? Like, your body holding up okay? I know you had some arm issues for a while, some elbow issues. Think you're doing all right? Yeah, um, still got those issues. Still got them. Just get get just uh, get therapy. Just ice it and just you know work it. Ice yeah. it, work it. Ice it, work it. There's no, there's yeah. no can't do shit about it. Yeah. You know, especially now that I'm older. You know, sometimes feel like the uh, body's breaking down, but all you could do is just push forward and just uh, get your ass in the ice bath or the uh, cryotherapy and work it. There's there's yeah. no there's no shortcut. All you got to yeah. do is hard work and just work hard. And that's that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Working yeah. hard and sparring with my two guys and just work. Work every day. Yeah, yeah. That's dope, man. That's sick. I'm looking forward to it, man. Well, I guess to wrap this up, like thinking about your career, thinking about this fight. I mean, what do you think the what do you think is your legacy, you know, as a fighter? Chris Ariola. Um how do you want to be remembered as a boxer, as as part of the pantheon of, of the of the heavyweight greats, if you will? Um, at the end of the day, I just hope that I remember that I'm a fighter that gave it my all. Plain and simple. Whether I was in shape or out of shape, I gave it my all. My first reverse fight, he broke my nose in the third round. I could have quit. I could have easily quit. Nobody would have talked shit because I, my nose was shattered. I went 12 rounds. So that's nine rounds with the broken nose because I didn't give a fuck. My last fight, my ligaments in my hand were 
on the other side, they all just been boop, boop. I had ligaments over here and tendons and shit because I was just punching with it in the fourth round. So I fought eight rounds with the fucked up hand. And I was still throwing in. I still throwing a record amount of punches. I'm just a fighter that doesn't give a fuck, and I love what I do. I'm willing to give. I give myself to the boxing fans. I give myself to the bo- to the sport of boxing. So I hope that I'm remembered as a fighter that gave him my all in every fight. Yeah, yeah. What about like? I mean, what is, what does it mean to you to be kind of one of the greats and in this position as, you know, as a Mexican American man? You know, you know that's. It's a rare position, and, and it, it, it makes me just, I'm like, damn, dude, like, I'm just so sick that I get to have a conversation with you and talk to you. But, I mean, what does that mean to you and your legacy, that part of your story? I'm not a great, bro. I'm not a great at all. A great is someone that won a championship. Regardless, you know, um, Andy will be remembered before I will because he was the first. Even if I do win a, a heavyweight championship one day, I'll be like, oh, yeah, he did a second. Hmm. You know what I mean? I don't consider. I just consider myself as a fighter that gave him my all. A great, nah, man. That's like Ali. That's like Chavez. That's like Mike Tyson. Those are greats. You know, mm. they brought, they put, they put asses in seats and eyes on tubes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I would, uh, I will beg to differ and say that for people who follow boxing and who like watching heavyweights, especially people from our background who share a common story with parents who are similar, who grew up, especially in the time. And you and I are the same, you know, same age group, basically, where, like you said, we grew up in the 80s when, you know, shit was like popping in the streets, you know, late 80s, early 90s, and shit was crazy. And we, you know, we made it through the you you know through the experience of growing up in the U.S. as children of immigrants. So I think anybody who follows boxing and who identifies with your background has a lot of respect for you and and really uh, is rooting for you. So yeah, man, I I wish you the best. I wish you the best, man. I I'm looking forward to this fight, and um, I hope that you fucking come out on top. No disrespect to Andy either. Seems like a nice guy. He seems like he's smiling too much. So I think you just got to look for a smile and fucking wipe that smile off his face, bro. <laughs> uh, That's exactly how I feel. <laughs> you know what I just thought about right now? I just thought yeah. about, like, I yeah. couldn't imagine my daughter living in the eight, in the 80s, the time that we lived. Yeah. There's kids nowadays are so fucking fragile. That they wouldn't survive in the eighties. They will be eaten alive. Yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah. a different time. It's a different time, man. It's a very different time that we went through. Um, and you know, it's you know, you mentioned like Tyson and stuff. And I mean, if you're not from our era, you don't know what that's like. You know, we grew up, you know, my parents in my neighborhood, we used to have they used to have parties every time there was a Tyson fight. You know, and everybody would come to like our house or go to somebody's house, big barbecue all day evening and then the fight and it was it you know and like boxing is such a big part of our community but uh when you see the big fighters and back then obviously it was tyson and you know it's it just brings it used to bring people together i think it still does um won't get into a whole conversation about mma versus boxing because i don't watch that i don't know anything about it but i love boxing there's something pure about boxing you know the gentleman's sport if you will that yes, still, yeah, 
yeah, that still very much attracts me to it. So um, I, I hope uh, I hope you have a great fight. I hope you stay healthy, bro. And um, people, please watch Chris's fight. It's it's May first, right? Um, can you May tell us 1st, a little bit about pay, the yeah. Fox pay per view? So if you have to make it out to California, it's at the Dignity Health Arena, which was the sub of. I don't understand why they keep changing it, but it's a sub of uh, Dignity Health Arena. Uh, May 1st or on pay-per-view, um, it's going to be a stack card. It'll be a bunch of Mexicans scrapping, and I'll be the main event, and I'll make sure that I'm going to give them my all, like I always do in every one of my fights. Nice. Any any last words for your fans, any listeners here? Anything you want to say before we sign off here? Yeah, you know what? Um, I appreciate every one of my fans, everyone that gives a fuck about me, everyone that's watching. Thank you very much. And if you're a parent, if you're a dad or a mom, the best thing you could do for your kids is just be there. Don't have to do shit. Just be there. They want to do something. All right, let's go. Let's do it. Just be there because you never know. They may surprise you. Yeah, that's great, man. That's a great way to sign off. All right, Chris. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us on the podcast. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, thank you so much for joining uh, this Mother Podcast, episode number 120. Please remember to leave a like on uh, Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends about it. And, uh, you know, thank you for listening. Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash this Madre. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, my G. Appreciate you, man. All right, man. Yeah, thanks, man. We'll talk later. Appreciate it. Good luck, bro.